Now that 2018 is over, what, what would you say was your favorite movie you saw over the year? Kind of funny story about that. Started out um, with a movie pass subscription. Actually, my wife and I each had movie pass subscriptions, which um, are these. Are you, you're familiar with movie pass? It's a card. You pay a subscription and then you can take it to a theater, check in and go see whatever movie you want. Wow. That seems like a not a really great business idea over the long term. Um, I actually don't know how they're doing right now, but they definitely made some changes over the year that made it really, really hard to keep going to movies and see the ones that I wanted. And I have a pretty, um, low bar when it comes to like what kinds of movies I'm willing to go see, but I did see a lot of really good movies as well. And being able to, especially early in the year, go see just whatever movies at whatever regularity I wanted give me a chance to see some that really stand out. Like one of my favorite movies of 2018, like the first one that comes to mind is a movie called blockers, which when I went to go see it had very low expectations for it really changed my mind though. And it's one that I don't own many movies on Blu-ray, but this is one that I'm hoping to pick up and rewatch at some point. I went to more movies at the theater this year than I did the year before, um, but it's hardly that many. I want to say like uh, maybe three movies the whole year and two of them were in December. So, um, or no, well, <clears throat> I saw Grave of the Fireflies at the theater. Okay. Studio Ghibli Fest. Yeah. Yep. 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 So we went to go see that and then we went to go see Mission Impossible. I want to say Fallout. Was it? No, yeah, it sounds not, right. No, yeah, it's, it's not, Fallout. Yep. It's a Fallout. Yeah, it's okay. Fallout. With the real, uh, real Superman mustache, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then over this December, we saw the new Wreck-It Ralph sequel and uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, I, I liked every movie I saw at the theater. Did you take your kids to any of those movies? Uh, Grave of the Fireflies? No, oh, I okay. didn't. No, I didn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a super depressing movie. It's an awesome movie, but my God, it's really depressing. And it's a cartoon, but don't let that give you away. Um, okay, so- yeah, no, but, I mean, typically, I think uh, Studio Ghibli or Ghibli is considered to have like Disney quality, like kid friendly movies. Disney's their distributor in the U.S., so they obviously know what they're doing. Yeah, no, Grave of the Fireflies is not a kid's movie at all. A, l- a lovely movie, really touching, but like, yeah. Um, but I did take the older three to uh, the Wreck-It Ralph sequel, which I really liked. Um, surprisingly, I don't know if it got chewed up by critics, but I enjoyed it. And then, um, and then spy into the spider verse. We actually took, uh, my three-year-old. Yeah, that was, that's a really good movie. I highly, highly recommend that. I don't know how it's doing in the theaters, but you should definitely check that out. Yeah. I saw that one took Kira to a number of kids movies and including that one. And, um, what's the other one? Oh, the, uh, teen Titans go to the movies. Did you like teen Titans go to the movies? I did. I really enjoyed Spider-Verse and Teen Titans go to the movies. And those are runners up. If I would be really tough to pick one of those if I were including movies that I went to um, with my daughter. Yeah, I heard that was actually pretty good. I'm not I I understand the uh, Teen Titans fans and how much they don't like Teen Titans go because of what it is. But um my, my kids love it when they get to watch it at my aunt and uncle's. Um, they talk about it all the time. Uh, but yeah, Wreck-It Ralph 2 was pretty good. Um, 
had a intro, it had a good message and the fact that you're Disney and that you can refer to a lot of uh, past products uh, helps as well. So there's a lot of Disney references. Well, there's one scene where there's a Disney reference because they go to the Disney website, but um, yeah, it was good. Yeah. So I agree on both of those points. Did you see Wreck-It Ralph too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We are huge fans of Wreck-It Ralph in this household. I, I actually am not a fan of the first movie. So oh, really? yeah, I, I thought it was okay. And I'm a big video game fan, but I'm just like, ah, oh, this is all right. But, um, I actually like the second one better. And I think now is probably a good time to do kind of like a year in review of our own tasks and what we've worked on and maybe talk about how to do a year in review and then talk about our own personal years and reviews and how we did. So, um, does that sound like a plan for you? Yeah. So I'm a little curious to know how you uh, connect or disconnect the idea of doing a year in review uh, with doing a New Year's resolution, which we covered in the past and generally weren't in favor of like doing a New Year's resolution, like at the time of New Year's for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I think like the difference for me is New Year's resolution is I am going to do X for the rest of the year. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm not going to drink pop, whatever. Um, and then you're supposed to just do it throughout the whole entire year. Uh, if you listen to the previous episode, our, our, my biggest complaint about that is like how long 12 months is and how it's just not feasible to set that goal for 12 months. Yeah, it's kind of like the waterfall approach. Yeah, to exactly. Making changes in your life. Right. So that was my biggest complaint. That isn't to say that the new year isn't a good time to look back and see what went right, what went wrong. And I think it's good to have some some perspective and being able to reflect on the past and see what worked best. So that's that's kind of where I draw the line. How about you? I have a little bit different perspective. This is the first year that I've actually written down my year in review. I really enjoy talking about it near New Year's Eve. That's something that me, my family and friends might talk about. Uh, This is the first year where I've actually taken the time to write down the things that stuck with me as being like really highs or really lows. But I've been thinking about it in terms of now that I've written it down, I kind of want to be a little bit more reflective. So if I know that I'm going to write down my year in review next year, like come December, would it make sense for me to write down some of the things that are important to me? I'm not doing like a 180 on New Year's resolutions, but it has gotten me thinking and lining up this idea of like 2019 goals that allow me to put more, more focus on accomplishing what I want. And then it's something that I'll be iterating over. So, yeah, I know what you mean. I like that you use the word reflective because that's what I feel like is the most important part is being reflective um, and not just necessarily doing a to do list. Um, I'm, I'm not at that point yet. I have a spreadsheet. I'm going over it when I have time to, like, figure out what exact items I want to do, uh, especially in the next three to four months. So I'm still working on that part, I think. I'd, I'm more interested in like, okay, here are things that I know worked. Here are things that wasted my time. Here are things that I should cut out um, and really emphasize on. And I think that's what's really important is more of like the overall structure of the year and being able to decide what what just needs to be cut out and what needs to be done more of. 
Um, so I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit, but it sounds like there's some taking your year in review, figuring out how you want to make changes in your life. Now it is right around the new year. Um, do you plan on like every month reevaluating or every quarter or having some kind of a system in place? I wouldn't go so far as to say system, but yeah, like a month, two months, three months, four months, whatever. Will you do other kinds of reviews throughout the year as well? Like at the scale of a year in review? No, maybe half. I think maybe at six months I'd like to do it. I feel like 12 months is good for reflecting, but not necessarily good for planning. Let's put it that way. Does that make sense? A little bit. I do see that, um, especially larger businesses that I have worked with or for, they will issue. I mean, there's always like this idea of like a quarterly report. Yes. Or they will have a uh, quarterly or six month town hall type of thing where they reevaluate the direction of the business. Mm -hmm. So I think depending on situation, uh, how often those like big reviews come in can change. And also... I think one thing that I'm taking away here is that use your review to decide what you want to change. And then when you come up with some actionables and a timeline, then use that timeline to figure out when you might want to reassess those goals and see what your progress has been on them. Is that fair? Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, and I think well, one thing I haven't gotten into, but I want to I want to talk about is the year review isn't just about like actions and goals and getting things done. Quite frankly, the year review is a way to just get what I'm thinking, what's been floating around in my brain, repeating over and over again on paper uh, and just getting it out there for people to see, to understand where I'm coming from and what my plan is. And then that kind of like when you say I'm going to lose weight, I've stated this out in the open into the world and like the world will then reflect that back onto me so that I have that idea, that concept of what, what I want to do or what I want to change out there and confirm back to me from other people. Does that make sense? Totally. There's something healthy about writing it down, putting it on paper and sharing it with others that you don't get by just keeping it, in your head. I did write mine down. Um, I have not shared it with, I've only shared it with two other people. So you don't necessarily mean like publish it to the world. You just mean offer, like open it up to other people. Not necessarily. I did that. I did that, but I'm, I'm weird. So no, I don't necessarily mean you have to publish it to the world. I, I really liked yours. I mean, you, you alluded to it being, pretty long. And when I was first reading it, I was a little intimidated by that. However, it told a really nice story and you showed a lot of vulnerability, which I wasn't expecting. I think that if anyone is interested in seeing a really good open reflection of a person's year, not just in like a business or like action items and goal setting type of sense, yours is a good, really good example of that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, maybe since we have been talking about yours a little bit more, if you wouldn't mind go ahead, going ahead and talking about yours. Sure. So the big motivation for getting this year in review through is uh, I've been running my business now for six years. Uh, and there's been a lot of interesting curveballs personally, but also pivots in the business and kind of a honing and what I need to do and like expanding my knowledge base as far as running a business and uh, a family at the same time. And so I wanted to kind of like square those 
challenges on paper, put them down and like kind of reflect back on 2018 and how things didn't go as planned. Um, and I think like my big thesis was uh, uh, as much as you can plan for things like life happens and I can't. I can't necessarily plan for those things. It's going to happen again in the rest of my life. Something unexpected is going to happen. And I think the better approach isn't necessarily making an action plan around it, especially when you're a single person business, but so much as like dealing with the emotional stress of it and the fact that you lack control in those situations. That is probably one of the main points I came across in my year in review. Um, just to, just to give a brief overview, like uh, my dad had some serious health issues last year. And so like that really hampered the year, um, a year that I thought would be much more productive um, than than it actually was. Um, and so it was a matter of me reflecting on that and looking at life and just saying, like, look, stuff like this is going to happen again. I might have a to do list and a calendar set up to get all this stuff done. Um, and we talked about one episode, like my kind of my game plan was looking at overall things I want to do and then t- moving those into to do items. I want to say it was like actually episode three, but move those to action items and then moving to them to the calendar. What just happened was like interruption after interruption. It wasn't just the health issues, but other things as well. And uh, I just, I can't get stressed out about that. And that's, I think the big, one of the big theses of the piece that I'd written. And then there was some other stuff about like, okay, what am I cutting out of my life? What, what's really been helpful for my business? What, where is the direction of my business going? And I kind of get into that into the year in review. Um, as well. Yeah, that's seemed like it was pretty challenging uh, to have something that is very, very clearly unexpected and important come up and have to just like at that moment reconcile how do you balance everything out? Because you might have a plan, uh, but there is this, like you were saying, the unexpected happens and sometimes what is happening. Uh, or what is important to you can change. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talk about productivity a lot on the show because it's a productivity podcast, but I think a lot of people don't talk about the fact that like life is not some linear, like graph. You just go up and up and up like life happens and you need to make, um, you need to make adjustments in your life to deal with it. But you also have to be a little bit more accepting about, Uh, the challenges that come up. There are two points there that stick out to me. There's the plan to continue maintaining a certain level of productivity. So that's one. And then the other is you can also uh, look back and say, well, I had this unexpected, very important thing come up. And so I will just write off and accept that I am not going to get as much other stuff accomplished and that's okay. I think it's much more the latter um, than the former. So uh, just accepting the fact that I won't get as much done. And I think one, one thing that I don't want to say surprised me was the fact it isn't just like the actual helping out, but the stress of it reducing my ability to like emotionally cope with doing the hard work that needs to get done. Um, like for instance, in my piece, I talk about like the fact that, 
last year I wanted to focus more on content creation as opposed as opposed to coding. But the fact of the matter is the the stress would just make it really difficult for me to sit in front of a computer and do some writing or get a podcast recorded. So um, my my lazy work, so to speak, was doing coding that didn't need to get done, I would honestly say. And so I found myself uh, doing busy work that wasn't necessarily helpful, but easier because of the stress I was under. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like you were able to, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you did a really good job of being able to help your dad out and any other unexpected important things that would come up, but also be mindful of your own mental health and take the breaks and be accepting that you're just not going to get as much of your uh, other business and content creation goals done as you might hope. And I'm glad, I'm glad it sounds like you didn't really like try and push yourself too hard. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there were definitely stressful moments, but I I think looking back, like if there's anything that I feel like I could have done better, was that was like just setting my expectations lower and dealing with it. Um, and just being honest about it, it'll be interesting to see like as far as 2019 so far, so good. It seems like everything is going much better. It'll be interesting to see how I'm going to measure that result. I think the way I'm going to measure next year is more about there's two things, uh, content output, which I put in my um which I put in my year in review. But I think what I'd really like to see next year is audience numbers go up. Like, for instance, with this podcast, but with other content that I create, which I feel like part of it is putting out more content. Also, I want to just hone a little bit about what the audience is looking for. And that's that's kind of the inside baseball of this podcast, but also of everything else that I talk about in the year in review is growing content, but also growing the uh, audience on that content. And then hopefully by next year, I'll have a better idea about what needs to be cut out and what needs to be uh, even more emphasized, if that makes sense. So when it comes to like measuring those statistics and measuring out the year next year, that's probably what I'll be looking for is those stats to go up, but also the audience numbers to go Mm. up as well. And it sounds like being able to reflect on how last year went and knowing that there's the possibility of unfortunate and unexpected events coming up that can overtake your time you might be able to come up with strategies to be able to produce more content up front or in the uh like in the times that you have where you don't you're not responding to and putting out fires yes exactly is that something that you've incorporated into your uh strategy i guess for 2019 let's let's put it this way i think like those are my goals but knowing full well that if something comes up, I just need to set my expectations lower. And that's that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. So what are some things you did with your year in review? And what did you find? What did you find looking back that um, you're happy about or you're disappointed in? So in uh, 2017, we had a, um, a number of things come up financially. We just had to spend a lot of money on uh, house repairs and vehicles that we just did not expect. And, uh, we were not in a, we were, we able, we were able to get by, uh, but it was 
very uncomfortable. Money is just one of those things that a lot of people stress out about. And so we were in this situation where it was just really challenging. Um, and so while I didn't write down any uh, 2017 year in review, that was something that really, really stood out. And I made a point to address that in 2018. So I took a really good look at our finances and found ways that we could start saving for uh, such emergencies. Luckily, there weren't that many of them that cropped up in 2018. However, uh, tying into my 2018 review, that's actually something that uh, stands out as like a high. It's both good that we didn't have as many financial emergencies. Uh, however, it's also satisfying at the end of the year to know that we were prepared for them if they did happen. Um, so other uh, 2018 sorts of things, um, there was... Now, I wrote a long list. Uh, it's maybe maybe close to two dozen different items that stood out to me. Not all good, but most of them were good. And I was just going off of memory, thinking that the most important things would be the first things to come to mind. And I tried to avoid going back to my calendar or email or any other ways that I could find out, like, what else was I doing that I might be proud of? And then I started seeing a theme here. There was a lot of personal growth, investing time in friendships and new relationships, as well as other ways I can do uh, personal growth. Like we've already talked quite a bit about like really doing good with my stretching habits and incorporating cardio and strength training. I feel like I really did good with personal growth. And then on the other hand, there were all these unexpected opportunities that came up and I was very reactive to them and I liked how they turned out. I just don't know how to actually recreate those experiences. Uh, so for example, I received a couple of grants for programs that I volunteer for. Very unexpected, but these were the first times either of these programs had any income to be able to spend on marketing or food or sponsorships or anything else. So those were really nice. And then there were also other opportunities to run a uh, code lab with my business partner in a public way, like outside of a university setting. And that was a really awesome and unexpected opportunity. So there's also this uh, idea of the things that are unexpected could potentially go both ways. In 2017, we had lots of unexpected financial issues come up. In 2018, it was not entirely the opposite because this wasn't like personal income. It's not grants that I can spend on video games or like trying out new products or a new laptop or whatever. But they were things that opened up other parts of my life and gave me new opportunities to just be a little bit more experimental and try and help more people. And so now my challenge is I've made this list. There's the personal growth. Like I have a pretty good idea of how to keep going with those. But then there's this other half of like unexpected opportunities. I want to try and find ways to be able to reproduce those opportunities so that I can keep this momentum rolling and continue helping more and more people. It's interesting to use the term opportunities because one of the things I talk about in my year in review is trying to avoid distractions. Um, but you seem to use the term opportunity for something that is already, you're already acquiring something. Whereas um, sometimes I feel like there are opportunities which come up that are more distractions than actually helpful towards your end goals in any way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So another thing that there's these unexpected 
things that came up that I like I did. I responded to, I reacted to them and I chased them. I pursued them. And that gave me other personal insights, like having the time and opportunity to invest more of myself into these programs that I was also uh, volunteering and putting energy into really helped me uh, make it a little bit more clear, like of all the things that I'm interested in, what is the intersection? There's this revelation that the two most important things in all of what I'm doing have to do with building and being a part of good communities. And these are like local communities, not like online communities and tech education. So everything that I'm doing is the intersection of those two things, my nonprofit work. And then I do fundraising that's outside of nonprofits. And then I'm also involved with helping people learn how to code and become better and more tech conscious users and people and developers. And the intersection of those two things is, is pretty revelatory in how I want to adjust what I'm doing in 2019. Yeah. I think that's really good. Really, really good point is talking about that intersection. So what are some changes you're looking at doing for 2019 based on the fact that you had all these great opportunities pop up? So with the programs that I got grants and was able to invest money, uh, being able to put my time into parts of these programs that otherwise wouldn't have received as much attention. It really opened my eyes to possibilities of growing these communities. For example, one of them is called Lansing Codes, which uh, you're very much a part of. Investing more uh, time into marketing, um, starting up a newsletter. We ran a uh, Hector, Hectoberfest. So I sent a message to a bunch of people and said, like, who wants to build some software this month and make some improvements to our website? And had uh, 16 people come out and start helping out with this. So that was, that was really like, I was so proud of everyone who was putting time in there. And it was also something I totally didn't expect. And now I want to reproduce that kind of an event because people got really excited about it. And that's what I want this community to be like. I, I just want people working together, collaborating and uh, just doing cool things that they love to do. So I want to produce more of those opportunities. Very cool. Yeah, I think it's good that that you kind of have that ability to look back and say, yeah, this is what I've been able to do. And this is what I'm going to be doing uh, looking forward. I think the three big takeaways that I can think of with doing a good year in review is being honest and forthright uh, rather than like lying to yourself about what you were able to do last year and setting reasonable expectations, understanding what you want to get out of the review, because some people, they just want a to do list. Some people just want to reflect. Uh, it really depends on who you are. And then I think the most important thing is getting feedback uh, from others on the outside, not necessarily posting the whole thing on the web like I did, but just at least sharing it with a couple of people that, you know, anything else you want to talk about, Eric, when it comes to your reviews? Hmm. So I went into mine with without many expectations of what I would get out of it. However, the extra attention and thought and also seeing it in a written list allowed me to take a step back and kind of reorganize the information and come up with those themes and find out 
like what is important out of this list that I want to carry into my next year? Maybe getting what you want out of it is being able to look at it and being able to reflect on it at some point. And I think that there's value in that. It's not just necessarily like a to-do list or an action list or a mission statement necessarily for your year. So over break, what did you find was your favorite leisure activity? Yeah, my uh, my big break was pretty much all of December when I had my gallbladder removed and I wasn't sure how long my recovery would be. I think I was closer to a few days. However, I was concerned about it. And so I borrowed a switch from a friend and spent a lot of December in my uh, downtime and my recovery time playing uh, Breath of the Wild on the Switch and playing snipper clips with my daughter. I mean, she's five coming up on six. And it's amazing how accessible a game like snipper clips is to someone her age. Yeah, I feel like snipper clips is one of those underrated Switch uh, games. We don't have it, but especially uh, if we play co op, me and my wife. Which, by the way, we started streaming lately. Um, Superclips was one of those games that we we played the demo. The demo is available for free, and we really enjoyed it. Yeah, over break. So over 2018, not your year in review related, but uh, I, I'd been a bit of a glutton and had bought a few games over the year that there were deals on. We hadn't opened them until uh, Santa, quote unquote, gave them to us for Christmas. So we had like five games just all of a sudden added to our library. And uh, we we were playing those over the break uh, and had a lot of fun. All right. Where did you look for deals? There's a subreddit called Nintendo Switch Deals. Oh, neat. I don't recommend it because you will you 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 will lose your money. (laughs) Yeah, true. I guess you're still you might be getting good deals, but you're buying five games. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we bought Toad Treasure Tracker, which I really enjoy. That's a real fun puzzler. Uh, Rayman Legends, which is really accessible for the kids. Banjo-Kazooie, which I actually haven't played yet. And then Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is awesome. And Mario Party, which I believe you have, right? Yep. Yeah. So after borrowing the Switch and spending a few solid weeks playing on that, uh, decided to get our own, but eventually I would have to give that switch back. And I wanted to keep playing, uh, especially with my daughter. So we picked up a switch and we got Mario party with it. And my daughter loves that game yes. and it's been really good for her, uh, fine motor skills. So, um, before that she had a real challenge, especially with the big controllers and other systems. Okay using the analog controller and then pushing buttons all at the same time yeah. with the smaller switch controllers. She's gotten a lot more comfortable with that. Uh, Mario party. I highly recommend if you have kids and then I'd bought some deal that was like a hundred bucks. You get Mario party and two controllers and uh, with a family of five uh, kids that, that was awesome because Mario party can play up to four people. So um, we just have to figure out a way to fool my two-year-old into thinking he has a real controller. <laughs> so unfortunately, um, I actually bought another game over uh, because I knew my wife was such a big fan of the game. Uh, we, we had started streaming like over two years ago, New Super Mario for the Wii. And so when I heard that they were coming out with uh, new Super Mario U Deluxe for the Switch, I actually had bought that. And we've we started streaming that and that, that brings back some good memories uh, as well. So we have quite the collection. Honestly, like there might be like one game I'm waiting up for that they might make that I might buy in 2019. But honestly, I feel like we have more games that we'll we'll play for a while now. Are you comfortable sharing where people can go to see you stream? 
I'll post it in the notes. So yeah, uh, we play on uh, Twitch mostly, and it's uh, the name is Gamic, G H A M I C. Uh, that's where I stream, and we're actually setting a schedule. We're going to stream every Tuesday night. Uh, new Super Mario U Deluxe. Uh, my wife and I. So you definitely want to check that out. Do you have a time picked? Yeah, nine o'clock, or or when we can get the kids all asleep, God willing. So, yeah, nine o'clock every Tuesday night, we'll be streaming that for about an hour. I'm actually going to put a poll out because uh, we're at, kind of at a fork in the road in the game where we have to choose between the ice world and the water world. What you want to do is if you're listening to this podcast, go to the poll and vote for the ice world because that's not what my wife wants. So that's my <laughs> only call to action on this podcast episode. No sponsors. No, no guests. No, no, no. To- no topic ideas. I just want you to vote for the ice world. So. So do that, hopefully. 